Oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart and of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Reading about Moshe Rabbeinu as a man of prayer, praying for Israel at the top of the mountain, I uh, thought that I would speak today about prayer. I call this message, Opening the Treasure Chest, Why a Life of Prayer Should Not Be Reserved for Superstars. As I look back over my life, I think of people, and so do you, people who have the reputation for being people of prayer. I'm not talking about people in the Bible now. I'm talking about people in our congregation or in other congregations you've been in. We think of certain people who are superstars, who are people of prayer. But should prayer be reserved for these superstars? The answer is no. I want to begin by talking about three discrepancies. First is the discrepancy between what the Bible displays and what we do. I am always intrigued to discover that praying to God is just the air that everyone in the Bible breathes. It's, it's on just about every page. Uh, we read in the time of Noah that then people began to call on the name of the Lord. And people have been calling on the name of the Lord ever since. And in the Bible, j- just think about it. Praying is, is as normal as breathing. But it's not as normal as breathing for many of us. Uh, it's Now, I'm, I may be projecting here. But uh, I will confess that prayer has not always had the place in my life that I seek to give it now. And I'm grateful to God for uh, awakening me to this neglect. So there's a discrepancy between what the Bible displays and what we do. There's a discrepancy between what we say we believe and what we do. We all say that we believe in prayer. We believe it's a great idea. We're in favor of it. (laughs) That's not the question. Yeshua said, you know, if you believe these things, blessed are you if you do them. Well, there's a discrepancy between what we believe and what we do. Finally, there's a discrepancy between the riches we may discover and what we settle for. It's not helpful for us to think of prayer as some kind of a duty, some kind of a religious performance, some kind of an act of obedience that we need to do, like brushing our teeth. No, I hope to show you today that prayer is much more glorious than this and that there are riches to be discovered in letting prayer become the breath of our life. Riches that none of us would want to bypass. So let's begin to look. First of all, the spirit within us is the spirit of prayer. God's spirit is implanted within us. That's what, that's what the Berkhada Shah says. God's spirit has been planted within us. It's been bonded with our own spirit. God's spirit is bonded 
with our own spirits. When we, the Bible says that if anyone does not have the spirit of Messiah, he doesn't belong to him. The spirit comes in to indwell us, to bond with our spirit. And that spirit is, of God is a spirit of prayer. The dove of the spirit is like a homing pigeon returning to the presence of the Father. The spirit of God within us naturally orients towards communication with the Father. It is the most natural, supernatural thing for us to pray. I remember when I was first a believer, this is going back to when I was maybe 19, maybe 20 years old. I had the privilege of being a panel member in a, uh, uh, in a student uh, religious meeting where the guest speaker was the very justly famous Dr. J.I. Packer. Dr. Packer, who died uh, this past year, was an extraordinary man, extraordinary scholar, one of the great scholars of Puritan literature, a very humble man. And he was the big shot at this event, and I was one of a small panel of students. And I remember, as if it was yesterday, him saying this. He says, he did it with his British accent, which I will fight the urge to imitate. He said, don't ask me to believe that a man who walks forward at a meeting and never prays is a believer. He said, is a Christian, because that's, that's his lingo. Don't ask me to believe that a person who walks forward at a meeting and never prays is a Christian. What was he saying? He was saying that prayer is the life, life sign of our spirit. Our spirit has been touched with the spirit of God, and prayer is naturally supernatural for us. We read this about the spirit within us being the spirit of prayer. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to bring you back again to fear. On the contrary, you, every one of you, you received the spirit who makes us sons and daughters and by whose power we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit has a homing instinct that turns towards God crying out, Abba, Father. Paul goes on to say in Galatians, now, because you are his children, God has sent forth his spirit into our hearts, the spirit of his son, the spirit who cries out, Abba, that is, dear Father. So what we're saying here is that praying is, should not be seen as a religious performance, as a duty. It is really a life sign of being people of the spirit. And it's the most natural thing in the world. As a matter of fact, if we're not praying, we are stifling something. We are inhibiting something. It's like inhibiting your breathing. We should not do that. In Romans, Paul says this, similarly, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray as we should. Can you relate to that? 
Of course you can. We don't know how to pray the way we should, but the Spirit himself pleads on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. And the one who searches the hearts knows exactly what the Spirit is thinking because his pleadings for God's people are according to God's will. So it's not that we have Moses on the mountain interceding for us. We have the Spirit of God interceding for us. So we've got a tremendous head start in the life of prayer. The spirit of prayer is bonded with our spirit, oriented towards turning towards the Father and, and seeking him in filial love and obedience and desire. And even when we don't know how to pray as we should, the spirit prays for us. So that's the first reason that we should begin to open up this treasure of prayer. Here's a second reason. Prayer is a relational space where we are likely to encounter God's presence. This, uh, I'm gonna give you a few illustrations. This is on the left here is an artist's uh, rendering of Isaiah the prophet in the temple. We read in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year of King Uzziahu's death, I saw Adonai sitting on a throne, high, lofty throne. The hem of his robe filled the temple. So he's in prayer. Uzziah, or rather Isaiah is in prayer. The hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim, seraphim stood over him, each with six wings two for covering his face, two for covering his feet, two for flying, and they were crying out to each other, holier than the holiest holiness is out of nights of old. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Think about it, and then think about it again, and then think about it yet again, how often it is, how usual it is, that people in the Bible encounter God in the midst of prayer. Uh, it's when they go to prayer that God shows up. Now that's pretty good. That's a pretty good incentive for me and for you to pray more because God may show up and he often does. Maybe not as dramatically as he did with Isaiah. He may show up in subtle ways but they are renewing ways, unforgettable ways, and sometimes they're quite extraordinary. Here we have Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius the centurion. He's on the right, and here's an artist's representation of an angel. With all due respect to women, I don't think angels, uh, I don't know, if, I don't, they don't have a sex, I suppose, but I think of angels as being extraordinarily intimidating. Prayer is a relational space where we're likely to encounter God's presence. We see that with Cornelius. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion. He gave generously to help the Jewish poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon around three o'clock. Why three o'clock? He's praying mincha. He's praying. One afternoon around three o'clock, 
he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and Cornelius stared at the angel terrified. What is it, sir, he asked. So obviously this rendering of a female angel needs to be redone. Cornelius thinks that this figure is male, or at least connotes the power and the majesty and the intimidation of a male figure. He says, what is it, sir? And he said, your prayers, replied the angel, and your acts of charity have come up into God's presence so that he has you on his mind. When you and I are people of, of good, good behavior, a people of prayer, isn't it exciting to imagine that you'll be on God's mind, that you have a reputation in heaven, and that this is a connecting point where you too may have an encounter with an angel. You'll certainly have an encounter with God in the midst of prayer. Prayer is the relational space where we are likely to encounter God's presence. Here in the same chapter, we have Kepha, Peter. He goes up on the rooftop. He's waiting for lunch. He's hungry. He goes up on the rooftop to pray. Kepha went up on the roof of the house to pray. It was going up to pray because that's the normal thing to do that time of day. He began to feel hungry and he wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing the meal, he fell into a trance. And you can see the edge of this vision of the sheet lowered down with all kinds of unclean animals in it. He fell into a trance in which he saw heaven open and something that looked like a large sheet being lowered to the ground by its four corners. When did Peter have this encounter? During a normal time of prayer. So this is a second reason for us to give ourselves to prayer. Not only because it's the most naturally supernatural thing for us to do because the spirit of God, the spirit of prayer is bonded with our spirit, oriented towards God and helping us in our weakness. But secondly, because prayer is a relational space where we're likely to encounter God. Now here we have Paul. Paul gives us a third reason. He says that God chooses that his purposes for the world should progress in response to the prayers of his people. People ask, why should I pray? God is going to do what he's going to do anyway. Not exactly. God has decreed, that's the fancy word, he has chosen that his purposes in the world should go forth in response to the prayers of his people. We read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says to the Corinthians, you must add your help by praying for us. For the more people there are praying, the more people there will be to give thanks when their prayer for us is answered. Embedded in this is the fact that prayer makes things happen. Prayer helps to make things happen. Prayer greases the wheels of God's purposes in the world. That's why, because God chose it to be that way. He chooses to make us to be his associates in the work of redemption, in the work of tikkun olam. And, he's, and Paul says here, 
you must add your help by praying for us. It's not simple, pious, wishful thinking. Prayer, in a sense, is an energy for change in the cosmos. That's another good reason for us to avail ourselves of this treasure. Let's go on. Fourthly, we pray because we and others have needs which God delights to meet. That's the most obvious reason that we pray, because we have needs. My God will supply all your needs. Philippians chapter 4, Psalm 116. I love that Adonai heard my voice when I prayed, because he turned his ear to me. Turning his ear means God was responsive to my prayer. I will call on him as long as I live. I will make a habit of praying because God hears my voice when I pray. He turns his ear towards me. Prayer is not a waste of time. It's not a pious exercise. It's a channel of blessing in the world and a channel of blessing in my life, your life, our lives. Finally, number five, we pray because we have confidence of access through our faith in Messiah Yeshua. There's a lovely picture here, an honest rendition of Yeshua praying for the world and that robe that he's got, it's got all the flags of the world. The idea that he's praying globally. The Messiah Yeshua who died, and more than that has been raised, is at the right hand of God and is actually pleading on our behalf. Not only is the Spirit interceding for us, but the Mashiach is interceding for us, Romans 8.34. This means we've got a leg up when it comes to prayer. For we do not have a Kohen Gadol unable to sympathize with our weakness, since in every respect he was tempted just as we are, the only difference being that he did not sin. Therefore, since we have this sympathetic high priest, let us con confidently, confidently, confidently approach the throne from which God gives grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Well, my friends, I've shared with you five reasons that we should give ourselves um, more earnestly and consistently to prayer. I think I may on this coming Wednesday in our Bible study, I may deal with the question of prayer at greater length, dealing with the issue of how. Today, in the confines of our brief drush, I can only deal with the question of why. Why we should do this. Let me just finish by saying this. I think the most important, for me, the most important and most motivational aspect of why to spend time in prayer is that it's a meeting place with God. It's a place where that spirit that now dwells within us 
will meet with the spirit flowing from God's throne where there is an encounter. Prayer is not a lonely place, a lonely place. It is a meeting place uh, where God of his own free will at times will choose to manifest himself in ways that are unforgettable. Maybe not dramatic, but transformational and unforgettable. And the prospect of meeting with God and also the impulse to give to God the attention he deserves, I think are the greatest motivation for prayer. But I've given you five today. I trust and hope that one of them fit you. Father, forgive us that we're experts in ignoring you. We're experts in taking you for granted. We're experts in really acting as though none of this really matters. That's a terrible thing to say. But um, even for people whose uh, spirituality is way ahead of mine, all of us need to open ourselves more widely to a life of prayer. Not because it's our duty, although it is. Not only because it's our privilege, which it is. But because it's the air that our spirit breathes. It leads to deeper relationship with you and power in the world. So awaken us and don't let us fall asleep. We ask in Yeshua's name. Amen. Okay, kiddies. We turn now to Elena.